Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We've started a new book here. We're back in the Old Testament, looking at the book of Exodus, trying to look for all these connections that there are so many uh, between the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and then the Gospels. We just finished the Gospel of Mark. So, Last time, we actually saw a lot of connections, uh, especially to the book of Genesis, which we, we haven't read in a little while on Thy Strong Word, but we're familiar with a lot of those things. Uh, we looked at the list of the 12 sons of Jacob and uh, how those kind of match up with the story and the, just the whole idea of, of dealing shrewdly, but that doesn't turn out so well. So lots of connections to Genesis, but we're already setting things up, I think, for Moses and the connections uh, to the Lord Jesus. Today, Moses appears on the scene. He is born uh, it's really interesting to look at these birth accounts and the trouble in Egypt and the similarities to the Lord Jesus. So some of the things we're looking at today, joining us, we've got Pastor Sean Cum, pastor at Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming. Good morning, brother. Good to, to hear, you, hear your voice again. How are you doing? I am doing just great. It's a very beautiful spring day in Cody, Wyoming. Very, very good. And uh, how, are, how are all you guys doing up there in, in Cody? Um, I mean, were you able to, to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost this past weekend? We were. We were. Um, we had two services, and uh, we celebrated Pentecost this coming Sunday, Holy Trinity. We will go back to one service with social distancing in the pews. But um, we've only had two cases of COVID in Park County, Wyoming, and both recovered, and life is quiet and good as always in Wyoming, so no complaints. Hey, hey, you guys are blessed. That's that's not bad. All right, praise God, praise God. So, so yeah, in Exodus chapter 2 then here, um, I, I mean, it is uh, another one of these uh, moments. We saw this last time how there's—it's just—I mean, really, this is such a big theme of Scripture, but it's here especially in Exodus, but it's God— um, pulling good out of evil, right? And, and, and that's a kind of that, that, that motif of God pulling good out of evil is sort of what you get in, in the creation account, is what you get in chapter 1, and you, you get it really in, in chapter 2, especially literally, because Moses gets pulled up, right? But, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's a story, and it's a true story, but uh, you, you, there's so much, uh, I don't know, it's, it's so thematic, though, everything going on here, right? It is, and uh, chapter 2 of Exodus... I think it's one of those chapters where later in life Moses could say, ah, now I see how you were setting me up, God. <laughs> you, yeah. you were preparing me for this all along, and thank you for not letting me know, because I would have argued with you more than I already did, <laughs> as recorded in Scripture. And, of course, that's just part of uh, living by faith. And, um, I, I mean, it's amazing how God prepares Moses for um, being the leader to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. Right. Well, and, and I think that um, just that idea of preparation and looking back on things, I mean, it is interesting that uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we did not have an infancy narrative because uh, the focus was just so much on, you know, what is the authoritative word of Christ? What, what is this mission of preaching? And and the focus was there, but you do have in, in two of the Gospels, right, in Luke and Matthew, 
you do have these these infancy narratives and so it is it is interesting why you might have one included and not you know most figures in scripture are not going to talk about when they were infants uh, but but here it is and so it is interesting that you have it here and there's a special emphasis it seems on on how Moses was prepared and set up for this yes very very much so very for and it's um, the details of chapter two on um, the first 11 verses 10 verses are truly amazing how you, you, as you said God um, takes a bad situation and um, brings good out of it well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the chapter. Would you open us up, brother, with a prayer? Yes. Oh, Lord, in ways that no one but you could have imagined or planned, you raised up Moses to be your servant and the leader of your chosen people. We thank you for the mother of Moses for preserving his life. Make us her equal to resolve to save the lives of the unborn and the newly born, that we, as our Lord Jesus bids us, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. In the name of our Redeemer and Holy Savior Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Uh, so let's go ahead and read the chapter. We'll read the whole thing straight through, and then we'll come back and we'll focus on those first 11 verses you were mentioning. Uh, we've already kind of set up the chapter, but anything else that we should be looking out for as we go ahead and give this a read-through? As, as I was going through um, chapter two, a question that, um, or a theme that I continually saw is, uh, the question is, if one were listening to this for the first time, might be asking, is this child going to live? Is this child yeah. going to live? Um, all the way through chapter, chapter two, beginning to end, um, is this one going to make it? And um, God's miraculously, wonderfully, make sure that Moses lives through each and every step of chapter two. I, I think I think that you have that, certainly, something kind of like Esther, where it's just kind of at, at every turn you see how God's behind what's going on in, in his providence. So uh, certainly we'll be, we'll be taking a look for that, and uh, sometimes, we'll, you know, it isn't necessarily God did, God did this or God did that, but you can kind of read between the lines a little bit so you see uh, very good yeah, that's right god's fingerprints are all over it all right so here we go exodus chapter 2 here in the english standard version now a man from the house of levi went and took as his wife a levite woman the woman conceived and bore a son and when she saw that he was a fine child she hid him three months when she could not hide him any longer scroll this down when she could hide him no longer she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him now the daughter of pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. 
So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the, young, and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father rule, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and even drew water for us, and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a foreigner, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Yeah, it's certainly just lots of little words and turns here and there that you just— um, a lot of little connections come up. I mean, a, a familiar story. Um, you know, I, I'm I like the uh, the I thought the DreamWorks movie adaptation, the animated one, The Prince of Egypt, wasn't bad. It was like very, it was really fun anyway. But I think lots of us mm -hmm. have probably like movie versions or or, yeah. or at least illustrated Bible versions in our head. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting. There are uh, two things jumped out at me. One at the end, um, God remembered and God knew. Contrast that with Pharaoh who forgets and doesn't know uh, Moses, uh, doesn't know Moses, doesn't know Joseph. Um, and then earlier it was, this is sort of interesting. I, I hadn't had this connection pop up for me before, but his sister stands off at a distance um, to see what's going to happen. And then uh, the, the child is, is taken out, um, up out of the river, up out of the basket. Right. And, it just, I don't know, it just reminded me of how in Mark, actually, the women stand off at a distance, and they go, and they, they go, and they see, well, what's going to happen, right? And then the Lord Jesus gets pulled out of the tomb. I I don't think I've ever thought that before, but I don't know, just something jumped out at me. Sure, yeah, the, you know, she's, I'm assuming, I'm assuming at this point, this is Miriam, um, is, I've, I've noticed that up until a certain age, um, children are somewhat ignored. They can stand off to the side and nobody pays attention to them. Um, they don't really think that they're listening in. And so 
Moses' sister has that advantage, and she can stand there for whatever reason. And perhaps there are other young Hebrew girls around at times, and she's able to witness this and wisely is able to um, provide the right words at the right time in the right, right direction to not only save Moses, but um, save him in, uh, in a very ironic way. Yeah, it is interesting that there does seem to be this, this shrewdness, um, this, this wisdom on the part of the women, and this is actually the, the second instance of it, right? Well, maybe, maybe the third, if you, depending on how you're counting. But, I mean, we had those uh, the midwives, right, who, mm-hmm. uh, who yep. deal shrewdly, but, I mean, it's, it's their obedience, right, their commitment um, to, to, to God to, to protect the children who cannot protect themselves. And, and then you have here in this instance here, it, it's interesting— I mean, I'm not even sure what to make of it here, but, I mean, it says here, what is it? The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, I mean, I don't I don't know if we're supposed to think, like, like oh, because he was exceptionally, you know, like, pretty, like a pretty baby, you know, that, that's why she decided mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to, like, save him, like, oh, well, you know, okay, he's he's extra cute. I, 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 I think right, it's, right. it's I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing it's something along the lines of, like, you know, She's she's just um you, you know I mean when you when you have that newborn yeah. you just look at him like you cannot bring yourself um to to want anything bad for that child right I mean so I, I think she's she's moved um and and so she goes and she I mean it's it's a clever thing right um, there's like an order to put the babies all into the Nile well she does so with a basket right like as a way of um, saving them and so there's a bit of irony there and then as you said then. Um, you know, Miriam's able to come along and through this kind of funny way here, it's like now, now the mother is getting paid <laughs> to take care of her child. Yeah. So you've got these, these shrewd women, um, who are, who God's using to negate the, the maliciousness of Pharaoh. Exactly. And, and this really is an important, the first part of this is an important chapter. Um, in response to the critics that look at scripture, particularly the old Testament, but Scripture as a whole is being um, chauvinistic and not highly esteeming women. And we see um, very shrewd, um, action-oriented women here, like Ruth and Esther, who we already mentioned, um, that they, they're awesome. I mean, they, they really step up to the challenge. And with the, um, with the order to... Um, kill baby boys in, in the river, you know, one has the advantage to say, oh, this, I put the baby in, the, in this bulrush um, bitumen and pitch-covered basket. Um, oh, that's what you meant. Um, I'm supposed <laughs> to drown him. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Float, him, float him up the river without a paddle. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I know. A little, I, I, there's, I, a little I, bit of, there's a little bit of an out there, too. It's like, oh, you know, okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I wonder. I mean, I mean, there is like a, uh, it is interesting because like the midwives, right? I mean, they say something and they say, well, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous. Yes. Um, I mean, I mean, so, there, so there is a sort of like they're, they're covering their tracks, um, which, I mean, if they are covering their tracks and they are being a little bit shifty, I mean, I think it's only because they want to be able to keep doing this to keep saving, right? Um, and, yes, and so yes, similarly. Exactly. And, right, and so they're, similarly they're very here, wise, it's, it's to save. Yeah, they're very wise in, um, uh, they don't lie. 
well, you know, Moses' mother could say, I, I put him in the river. You know, they, you said, throw him in the river. Well, I, I guess I missed, missed the memo or the fine print or the end notes or whatever, um, what you meant by that, you know. So, I mean, she's, she's not lying. She, she did what she was instructed, but she did it in a way to save him. Um, well, and that, and that is an interesting, I mean, we talked about that a little bit last time, the whole question of, you know, like, is there deception here or not? I mean, because I, I do think that um, on, on a certain level, there is there is deception, whether or not we call it lying. I mean, if, if nothing else, just from omission or something along these lines. Um, but I mean, it's interesting to, to consider that. And I, I think that sometimes we always you know, kind of just blush at stuff like this and we say, oh, uh, oh gosh, I mean, I, I would have been honest or, you know, that's not that's not good. I always tell the truth. But I mean, like, I, I don't I don't know if there's really actually an expectation just kind of, um, you know, playing the other side here. Um, if there's really an expectation of honesty, I mean, you, you have Pharaoh mm. basically like declaring war on the mm -hmm. Hebrew people, you know, saying like, I'm going to murder all of your sons. And I feel like under the circumstances, there isn't actually an expectation of honesty at this point. I mean, it's mm. not as if in war, the right thing to do is to broadcast all of your activities to the the opposing army, right? I mean, right, right, right. It, it, there is no expectation of honesty. You have hostility at this point. So um, not to go and say you know, all's fair in love and war exactly, but I, mean, I, I think that the, the gist of it being that, um, and I think we we're going to see this even with the confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh later, um, that dece this deception is not un unwarranted. It's not uh, it's not flagrant, um, so I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not, I'm not really troubled by um, them, you know, for the, for the sake of trying to save some lives here in the midst of this chaos, um, dealing with the Egyptians this way. And, and Martin Luther, I don't have the quote right in front of me right at the moment, but um, speaks about what we would call the white lie um, to save lives. Hmm. Now we have to do that very, very carefully. We don't want to abuse that, but. You know what we see happening here to save lives. Um, you sometimes you choose your words carefully. You choose your actions very, very carefully, and and we see that with Moses's mother and sister. She's very, very careful and thoughtful, meticulous. This is a well thought out part. If it all goes well, you know, at any point. Um, this still can can crash and burn. Right. Uh, Moses well, can still die. Well, I was going to say it's interesting too, and it's not like it's not like they they go to the lie, right? I mean, it's not right. like they they immediately go to that. It says the first thing that the woman does, I mean, his mother, um, is that she she hides him for three months. Mm -hmm. So at first she's just trying to like hide the child, yeah, um, yeah. but but it, it says only when when she could hide him no longer, then then she goes for this and then, and then Miriam does what she does. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like their, their first impulse is to you know, make stuff up, right? Their first right, right, impulse right. is like, we're just going to, well, if you're going to make doing the right thing illegal, we're just going to do the right thing and not tell you about it. <laughs> um, so right, their, right. Fir their first step is, is uh, clandestine uh, disobedience for the sake of obeying God. And then it's only kind of like as a last resort um, do we move into deception. And even, and even then, as you were saying, it's, it's not like deception really. I mean, it's, it's kind of a very light deception, and most, most of it's quite true. It's, it's only um, just enough to, to save a life, which is 
um, I think a particularly high bar <laughs> for, for mm, employing yeah. deception, you know, it's like, okay, in a state of basically war and life and death, okay, uh, <laughs> which is like very different from when people are like, you know, hey, how does this look? Oh, I can tell a white lie and tell them that, you know, that, that wig looks fantastic. Like that's, uh, I don't think that's quite, quite the bar of uh, saving, saving lives in the midst of war. So, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, maybe the word is parsing of uh, the fifth commandment and preserving life and the eighth commandment and the second commandment and using words carefully. And um, it's, it's a very uh, tenuous situation, you know, and we notice we, we see that she she loves her child um, so much. She'll do anything to, to save Moses. Um, and yeah. so it, 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 it works out well. Um, right. But even then, as it all unfolds, <laughs> Moses tries to even, his own actions try to undo what... <laughs> well, and it, right. So... Well, we we'll want to talk about then Moses's yeah, deception yeah, in, in, in a second here, but um, I, I don't I don't want to like miss it though. You know, we're we're, we're uh, we kind of got into the the whole deception question, uh, but the emphasis I think um, I mean there is the, the shrewdness, but even then uh, the women I think one of the key words here is about uh, is about them seeing, um, mm-hmm. and I think this is actually kind of taking us back to that connection that was. Um, kind of just floating out there for <laughs> floating out there uh, for Mark um, that you, you had the women right who they, they go and they, they follow along and they, and they see where the tomb is uh, so that they can go and they can um, you know anoint it with spices later and, and that's what they do and 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 they're just going and they have their ideas of what they're going to do but but then they end up seeing so much more than they <laughs> than they bargained for and it's because of their seeing that God is able. Uh, it's through their seeing that God performs his good work of using them then as witnesses, uh, particularly through Mary Magdalene to, to go and actually then like bring the disciples in and encourage them and, you know, continue uh, them in the faith. So you you have the same thing that um, his mother, um, it says, you know, she, she saw that he was a fine child. Um, And then, you know, later, you know, his sister goes and stands at a distance and, you know, she sees this happened. Um, it's, it's just interesting how it, it seems like the most important thing for these women is that that they have faith in God and that they stick it through so that they can see what God's going to do next. And that's the way the chapter ends, if I can skip all the way to the last verse, where yeah. it says God saw the people yeah. of Israel. And so yeah. that, that, that the theme uh, that begins chapter 2 and ends chapter 2 is exactly that. Um, the seeing and then the knowing, the seeing and the right. knowing, and of course that it, it, it comes with Moses and uh, seeing the Egyptian being or his his uh, Hebrew brother um, being abused and doesn't think he's being seen. <laughs> so there is that theme throughout. One can, one can look, no play intended there, but um, yeah. throughout the whole chapter two of the the whole seeing part too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, and, and then, um, you know, e- even a little bit bigger there, too. So I went ahead and I finally uh, looked at here, this in verse 2. So in the Hebrew, um, it's it's actually—so it says in our English translation, saw that it was a, he was a fine child, but it's mm-hmm. um, it's literally um, saw him that he was good, 
it's good yeah the yeah. same kind of construction as what we had actually in genesis chapter one that god saw what he made and that it was good uh, so i mean that 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 same idea here we kind of keep coming back to it that there's uh there's a little bit of an interplay here but uh, we sure. should probably move yeah. on but we gotta take our break here everybody hang yeah. on we're looking at exodus chapter two here on nice strong word we'll be right back Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance. Coming up on the next MOA weekend, I'll be sharing thoughts with you about the Holy Trinity. Are there really three persons and yet just one God? I'll talk about it and share a scripture from the book of Romans as well. Don't miss it. That's Moments of Assurance weekend this Saturday and Sunday morning at 745 a.m. Central right here on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide. KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 2 today. We're joined by Pastor Sean Cum, pastor at Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming, where they are blessed with uh, great weather and great health. So praise be to God. <laughs> and uh, we're looking here at Exodus chapter 2. Uh, we just looked at, I mean, we're kind of talking about these first 11 verses. I think we're going to gonna move on and talk about the uh, the scene here with the, the murder already it just already you've got a murder you know it's that's it's another connection to genesis right and you've got like a gen genesis kind of creation um then murder happens shortly thereafter so uh but we're gonna be talking about that in just a minute here if you've got a question or a comment for us you can join the conversation you can give us a call 1-800-730-2727 or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or just type a question or a comment in as a comment on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. I want to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website, lhfmissions.org. 
So, right, we were just we were just uh, I was just noticing that about the uh, the phrase there. I saw that it was it was good. You have this this creation idea, I think already, um, and that and I think that kind of maybe is the, is the bridge that that theme. You know, God's hovering over the waters. He pulls out land, light, darkness, good creation. Um, here, Moses gets pulled out of a basket um, in the Nile. He's going to pull out his people out of the Red Sea later. And later, he's going to pull out his son out of out of the tomb. Uh, so, I mean, that idea of uh, creation, God pulling out of the watery place, um, yeah, just just a, a recurring theme here. And really, it's it's the it's the story and the name of Moses even that kind of sets up and establishes that theme for the whole of Scripture. It does. It, it's it is um, just strengthened, repeated. Um, re-emphasized again in Exodus two. That's right, and um, and then and then again the the role the, the real role that we have is we uh, like God actually um, we we see the good thing um, which which um, you know we we should we should clarify too um, you know that phrase that back in Genesis one it, it's not nearly that God saw that it's good like he's like oh well okay yeah sure it passes the muster. <laughs> Uh, but but it's a, it's a Hebrew idiom for ple- being pleasing, right? So he's pleased by it. I mean, it's this is kind of uh, the analog to you know, uh, take a chance to stop and smell the roses, right? Like the goodness <laughs> yeah. that God creates, our role is to stop and look at it and enjoy it, and to praise Him for it and uh, to protect it, to care for it. So um, we, we can't really. I mean, it, it seems like it's a not it seems like an insignificant role perhaps because you're like oh well that's, i'm just going to look at it you know he's going to be the one who acts and i just look at it but it's it's actually uh, extremely important and in some ways like what better thing are you going to do and and we certainly see with that that key word there of um when moses's mother looks at him and the english says you know she sees that he's fine um or good going all the way back to genesis 1 we also then learn at uh, verse 11 beyond that, Moses is also a sinner. And right. um, so he's not good perfect, like God was able to declare at the end of creation. Hmm. Um, but he's he, he's a sinner also, and this is obviously going to show up on the rest of Exodus, too, <laughs> at times. Right. So, 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 I mean, let's go ahead then and uh, turn, turn the page here, move on to this next part. Um, as we're doing so... A few questions came in uh, over email. I'm going to take a take a few of these here. Sure. Um, so let's see. We've got one that's uh, about the smiting of the Egyptians. So we'll come to that in just a second here. Um, and then, okay, yeah. So I think I think it's it's very much um, related to this. So uh, the, these questions. Uh, thank you, James, for sending those questions. And we're going to take a look at those in just one minute here. So, so right, so it really, it jumps right ahead, right? You get to verse 11, and it's just uh, one day when, when Moses had grown up. So, um, you know, it's, it's not as if this is a story that's really, like, all about Moses, really, right? This isn't just uh, narrating his life. This isn't a biography of Moses. Um, it's just giving us this one kind of scene uh, to set things up to show us, I mean, really, like we were saying, to set up the Red Sea crossing in some ways, to this kind of big uh, Genesis theme, faithfulness theme. Um, and, and then we then we move on here, and it's it's just interesting though that uh, we we actually get the details of the circumstances of why Moses had to run away, and isn't that just interesting? Because 
I don't know. It could have said just, you know, one day uh, Moses had to leave Egypt. You know, he had, to, <laughs> yeah. he, had, he had to go out to the wilderness, right? Like uh, he wasn't welcome anymore. But it actually goes and gives us kind of in detail what happened. And, and it even like says, you know, that he, he murdered somebody. So why, why do you suppose that this is uh, significant for us here that we actually get this account? I, I think there are a couple things. First is um, we go from him being, you know, just uh, as a child. And then verse 11, one day when Moses had grown up, and it's not unlike, I suppose, the, uh, the, the childhood of Jesus. We get a little snippet at age 12, but otherwise we go from then to 30. And, and yet that tells us that Moses perhaps had an unremarkable childhood and young adult life, um, although certainly a unique one. Um, being raised in Pharaoh's household and having all the advantages of growing up there, you know, seeing Egyptian politics unfold and courtiers and, you know, um, certainly at least bilingual in Hebrew and Egyptian, if not more, um, knowing how to obviously write. (laughs) (laughs) If if we take the authorship of Moses in the first five books of the Bible seriously, um, and, and, and having, apparently, at, at these opening verses, the ability to freely move with perhaps some recognition and authority, and he knows, he knows who his people are. Certainly his mother and sister, perhaps when his mother's nursing him, you know, the, the connection doesn't perhaps end, um, whisper into his ear uh, his, his true identity. Um, because we're told that he goes out um, to his people and looked on their burdens, and he knows that they are his people, so much so that he acts upon it um, in a violent way. Right. Well, and and it's in, and it's interesting, right? I mean, like you know, he he like as as a as a human being, you know, he, he's he's moved by this, he's angered by this, right? He he has a very human response. And, and it doesn't, I mean, it's interesting just how, how ineffective it is. Um, I, I guess that's something that's always struck me about the, about the account here that we, you know, he, he does this and there's part of me that wants to say like, they, they, you know, I don't know, these Egyptians who are then, or I'm sorry, the uh, Hebrews who are struggling the next day that they should say, you know, oh, hey, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll knock it off. Moses, you know, we know that you're on our side. We're, we're glad that we got someone like you. Um, you know, in for us, you know, who's looking out for us, you know, there in the palace, right? I, like, like, I just, I, I kind of would have thought that that would have been how it went. Um, and instead, sure. they're just like, hey, stay out of this, man. And, and what are you doing anyway? We don't need your help. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, I mean it's, I, I feel like there's, I mean, two things when I, when I kind of think of it that way. One is that it just shows that the people are, are actually in no mood to receive help from Moses. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, yes. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 don't, they don't particularly care for this. They're like, you know, uh, you're, I mean, you're, maybe like you were saying, like, like, I don't know, maybe he's got an Egyptian accent or I don't know what, um, you know, but so, you know, they, they don't particularly care for him to begin with anyway. Um, and then two, I mean, when Moses tries to go and do things on his own, in his own plan here, it, it's just not going to work. And so, I mean, that really, I think, shows us then later that when everything does happen, it's not like it was all Moses' is, um, you know, clever plan, but uh, but it was actually God's. And it was interesting in the uh, movie with, um, I think, what, wasn't it like Christian Bale, who was Moses in um, 
It's like Exodus, gods and kings. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how but before the, the plagues start, Moses tries to, like, just lead, like, guerrilla warfare. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's just there, like, blowing up stuff in Egypt, right? Um, and they're doing this, but it's just not working. Um, which, which is an interesting thing that they add and embellish to the story, but I feel like it kind of it kind of works the same way this does. That you you see that as long as Moses thinks that he's going to just kind of do things on his own and do his plan, it's it's not going to work. Um, so it has to only be God, and, and it, that Moses is really just acting on his behalf. And so that kind of actually gets, I think, um, to the, some of the questions that just came in. Uh, you know, is Moses trying to do God's will? his way does he know that he's the deliverer of his people at this point um is is moses already planning an insurrection and uh revolution so i mean what 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 do you think that moses is is thinking of or plotting and what this shows then well he he certainly goes with i think a, a gut reaction perhaps most of us would would have we see violence being um exacted on one of our own and we want to return that with Um, equal, if not even going beyond that, justice. Only God can do that perfectly, and we see Moses doesn't. I was puzzling over this, and and correct me if I've gone too far with this, but I thought, how could Moses have done this differently? Hmm. How could he have done this differently? And perhaps I'm reading too much Jesus back into this, Hmm. (laughs) but... Um, What if Moses had stepped up and said, I'll stand in this man's place. Beat me, not him. Hmm. What if he had uh, truly identified himself at that moment as a Hebrew and said, and what what message would that have sent then to the, the Egyptians beating his fellow Hebrew? I'll take his place. Um, but again, you know, maybe I'm, uh, maybe that's asking too much, um, cause that's yeah. what Jesus does for us. Um, exactly. That's what he does for us. And, that, and I'm not looking to Moses to be a savior with a big right. ass, but right. it, it was a thought that, that happened. No, yeah, no, I, I like, I like that though. That's, that's an interesting contrast. I mean, I mean, there are, there are just some similarities, right? I mean, um, you know, you've got, you've got Moses, uh, certainly he's, he's born, you know, to the, to the Levites, um, to like the priestly class. He's, uh, he's adopted into the, I mean, the household mm-hmm, of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So he's got kind of the king side going on. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on there where you see the, par- the parallels between Moses and our Lord Jesus. And yes. then and this is a striking, huh, uh, contrast yes. here. Yes. Um, Sir, yeah, no, yeah, sir. I, I think there's there's something there. I, I want to maybe speak to it more, but we have a if we still have him, uh, somebody on the phone here, question or comment sure. here. Uh, Stephanie, do we still have J- James? Yes, I'm still here. Oh, hey, brother. I hey, am. how are how are you doing? You have another uh, thought or question for us here? Actually, uh, uh, not another question, but just an ex- expansion on. And I'm glad you addressed the uh, questions the way you did. It helped me out a lot. Sure, but what Moses' actual status in the society he is a prince of Egypt. Is that correct? Well, I mean, is Moses that's... a prince of Egypt? Is he considered a prince? Yeah, yeah. He certainly is. Being the daughter of the reading daughters. He certainly has some standing. Um, he, he's, uh, he's certainly a unique person with an interesting story behind him that would have been told, you know, the, the, the way the Egyptians treated the Nile, 
source of life, you know, unusual discovery of a baby. Um, he he certainly has some kind of standing. He certainly has some kind of standing. Okay. Um, okay. So the reason why I asked that is because I, I was musing as you were. Why did Moses think to to kill the Egyptians the way he did? Mm-hmm. Being that he had a raw standing, could he just not have brought these people up for for justice for 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 doing that, or was it just regular treatment to beat and treat the uh the Hebrew people inhumane because if mm-hmm. it if it was uh out of the ordinary, could he not just bring these people to justice so those are the things that I was musing okay. And in, yeah, think, in in the aspect of uh, is God doing? I mean, is right. Moses trying to do God's will his way? Right. Okay. Thank thank you, James. That that's a, I pre- I appreciate that uh, those those questions there. Um, you know, it's certainly something I, I've thought about. You know, I, I mentioned the DreamWorks movie earlier. I mean, there you know, mm-hmm. is, you know, Prince of Egypt, right? He's he's very much depicted as. I mean, he yeah, he's one of the princes of Egypt. He's growing up in the palace, and he's. I mean, I mean, so. Um, you know, and to what extent it was exactly like that. It's it's it's, it's unclear, and, and you've had different kinds of ways of kind of imagining exactly what, you know, what that would have looked like and what that would have been like for him. I mean, to what extent he would have been aware or, uh, I mean, really, really mindful of, of his Hebrew connection. I mean, certainly being raised um, by his own mother, um, you have to imagine his, his mother would have gone and told him and uh, would have, you know, taught him, the Hebrew language and, and the rest of it. Um, but, you know, I mean, if uh, all she's doing is, you know, uh, you know, like nursing him and teaching him at a young age, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, you see this all the time. A child can, can be monolingual one language till they're two or three or, I mean, even mm-hmm. six or seven. And then at that point they go somewhere else and they only speak the other language. I mean, they just forget the other one. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's just very difficult to kind of sketch out what exactly it would have looked like. But I think that there's one idea here, uh, which is that he, he's killing an Egyptian, uh, which is, I think, the big significant thing here that, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the situation in Rome with the early church, that as soon as everyone figures out that Paul of Tarsus is a Roman citizen— you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a high-ranking official. All of a sudden, you're scared. You're like, "Whoa, hang on a second! I'm going to be in trouble with Caesar if I just, yes. you know, have a Roman citizen killed without due process." Uh, that I cannot do. That then that'd be my head. So I, I think there's this idea here that okay, yeah, he's got his uh, some kind of authority or standing or something. But because he goes and he does this, right, he tries to cover his tracks. I mean, uh, the the way he does it, he is very much acting like the vigilante here, even if he does have standing. And and the standing clearly meant nothing because Pharaoh's like, okay, well, you've just killed an Egyptian without process, so you deserve to die. And, you know, he's adopted. So, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's still he's not going to inherit the throne. Um, right. And it, he, he's in some respects, he will, uh, even just on the surface, appearance-wise, um, he, in, in one sense, he's neither fish nor fowl, because uh, when he's in Egypt, um, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. It doesn't say he sees one of his Egyptians. Um, and so uh, there, his Hebrew part 
is seen. And yet when he goes off um, to rescue the seven daughters of uh, Raul, um, they say an Egyptian delivered us out of. Um, they see an Egyptian then. So it's, right. he, at, at this point, he is very, he is vividly even seeing him, um, hearing him, however this. On uh, one side, he's wearing his, his Hebrew hat, and yet on the other side, it appears he's wearing an Egyptian hat mm-hmm. in the whole thing. It, obviously, that gets all sorted out when he has to go back um, after his years in the desert. He has to go back and um, do what God's asked him to do, told him to do. <laughs> and then he's right. going to be Hebrew all the way. But he, he right. still has the ability to uh, converse with the Pharaoh and deal with the intrigue and, and the ins and outs of royal life. Um, but he goes back to the Hebrew then. Right. You know, so so he that, that way that he, he kind of fails to belong and that he, he isn't really getting full welcome really from either side. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right. It kind of speaks to his identity as a, as a wanderer, right, as a nomad, mm-hmm. which puts him in, in good company like, like Abraham. And in fact, like Abraham, one who, who lies about his sister, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, his wife, right? And there's that little, and there's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, well, there is a, technically, right? You know, but it's still deception. Um, I mean, it's it's presented as like what he does is, you know, is, is bad. Um, so there, I, I think there's some similarities like that. And I, I think that this is something you see later too, that when Moses is, is told to bring water to the people of Israel, that he goes, mm-hmm. instead of speaking to the rock, then he hits it. And then for that, mm-hmm. God says, okay, you don't get to go into the promised land. So there is this idea, I think, of, yeah, yeah I mean, like that incident with the rock, you could say he is trying to do um, God's will, which is to save the people from the Egyptians, but he's doing it his own way. And when he tries to do mm-hmm. it his own way, it's not received by the people. And I mean, not that <laughs> when he does it God's way, it's always going to be received by the people either, uh, <laughs> but it's not received by the people and, and, and it's not going to be effective. So, I mean, it's really emphasizing that hey look it's it's god here that's that's at work and so i mean it's 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 interesting because these these chapters as much as they kind of highlight some of moses's uh characteristics i I mean it's really saying like hey it's not about him i mean the first uh part of the chapter is really kind of in some ways this actually mirrors mark and that it's kind of almost more about miriam as the forerunner of of moses kind of highlighting like John the Baptist as the forerunner of, of sure. Jesus. So, I mean, it's, it's not even really like a, about him yet. And if it is about him, it's only in contrast um, to, to the Lord Jesus. Like you were saying, you know, Lord Jesus, he doesn't strike those who, um, who strike him. Uh, when he goes off into the wilderness, it's to be tempted um, by, by the devil and to fast and to pray. Um, it's not because he's hiding out because of his his wrongdoing mm-hmm. um and then unfortunately this just all too much this this whole thing just smells just like the first part of genesis where after god does all his good creating um what cain goes and he kills his brother abel <laughs> right. so uh and, and then what what happens to cain well he has to go and flee and be a wanderer and a nomad so mm-hmm. I, I i mean really this is um drawing a lot of connections that don't speak very favorably to Moses, but then you do get this turn here where there is a uh, something good that he does, and he actually he he goes and he does manage to save somebody, and it seems to be welcome. But ironically, it's not even a 
Hebrews, <laughs> it's 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 uh, Midianites. <laughs> yeah, the, a nomadic Midian dealing yeah. with uh, sheep and seven daughters. <laughs> right. And, um, and you know, you know I mean, Moses, Moses steps up to the challenge, and yeah. again, um, he, he I, I, I'm imagining here a little bit, but he certainly enters into this scene with um, probably having gained some Egyptian royal authority or, or presence, um, and he takes charge of the situation, and the, the shepherds flee. Um, he, he's serious business. I mean, he, he takes on a group, and they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're not going <laughs> to mess with this guy. And um, if, if I can go so far, perhaps one can make a little bit of the connection with Jesus in the, in the desert. Be gone, Satan. You know, mm-hmm. Moses, Moses steps in, and these rogues are gone. Right. Well, and, and I think that um, the, the connection also to the Lord Jesus is the idea of shepherd, right? I mean, isn't it yeah. interesting when, when Moses tries to go and act like a prince and a judge, right, there in verse mm-hmm. 14, it's not received well by the Hebrews. Um, it's rejected, gets him into trouble. When, when he go, goes out into the wilderness humbly, um, and, he, and he goes and he takes the role of a shepherd, right? Because he's, you know, displacing mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. bad shepherds here and basically taking on that role, a shepherding role. He's, he waters the flock, right? I mean, what did yep, the yep. Lord Jesus say? You know, take, take care of my sheep, right? Feed my sheep. Um, so that idea of, of being the shepherd now, well, now hang on, that he's blessed, right? So, I mean, yeah. if anything, there's a little bit of a contrast there that it's trying to say, hey, um, Moses, when, when he follows God and he acts as a humble shepherd, He's he's doing right. When he tried to just act as his own authority and judge, um, didn't didn't work at all. And of course, uh, it's the Lord Jesus who does both, who 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 speaks with such authority. And that really is such a big difference in Mark that uh, it's just hi- it just highlights again and again the authority of of the Lord Jesus. He doesn't have to cite anybody. He doesn't have to say like, oh well, according to this school, here's my opinion. He just says it like it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so the authority, the the directness. Uh, it, it's just unlike Moses um, in, in that respect. But the shepherding part, there's a similarity. And he, he shows incredible humility, I mean, just even culturally, um, by doing the watering then. I mean, yeah. there, there are seven daughters there, and the way this plays out in culture, as we even see Jesus at the well, um, with the woman at the well, you know, draw me water. Well, he does deliver to her um, far more water than she'll ever need, and he never gets his water. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but Moses shows true humility here and servanthood by doing what the seven daughters. He he could have said, "Okay, ladies, you know, give me some water um, now. Finish finish your job. <laughs> finish your yeah. job. Fill up the troughs of water. You know, he he's the one that goes ahead and does it for them." Right. Yeah. yeah no. Cer- certainly. I mean, and you think of uh, the Lord Jesus. You know. Um, yeah, at they're they're at the well with the Samaritan woman, um, which has that kind of connection to the Old Testament with these uh, marriage scenes here, um, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. also the idea of I mean, just washing his disciples' feet too, just um, that idea of making himself least. I mean, make, making himself less than the the seven daughters, the youngest of the seven, even right. He's he's there doing this work instead of instead of them. So um, the, the the humility then is met with this this blessing. Um, and he's he's welcomed as a son into this family here. Um, it's interesting there. He's he's named uh, he names his son Gershom, 
I have mm-hmm. been a sojourner in a foreign land, which is just full of meaning, right? Because oh my goodness, yes. y- yeah, yeah, right. it, it's yeah, that's true on one level, but the bigger idea is that Israel has been a sojourner in a foreign land. I mean, again, this is all setting us up for what's coming. Israel is going to get out into the wilderness, and they're going to say, "Whew, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. I was not meant to be mm-hmm. in Egypt all that time." Yep, yep, exactly. All right, so just like a minute or two left here. So um, let's focus a little bit more then on that ending. We talked about it a little bit already. So then, you know, after after these two scenes, which 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 have these contrasts, and like we said, they're not really even so much about Moses per se. Uh, then you get to this little conclusion here, and we finally get the the death of the the current king, um, who would be the king presumably who would be uh, chasing after hunting Moses down, and and you get this this comment that the cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. So it like reached him and God remembers, he hears, he remembers, he sees, and he knows all these verbs with God here yes. at the yes. end. And, and that shows us that, that God does have Israel on his radar. Um, he hears them and he's not forgotten them. And he remembers his promise, his covenant and there are those beautiful phrases. It, it becomes perhaps too worn to our own ears, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But those part, that part of, of Genesis then is overflowing with gospel in the midst of sin and failure. Um, one could almost say it's John chapter three sixteen. Those three names, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Maybe that's going a little too far. But, I mean, to, to the well-trained ear, when we hear that, it's like, that is beautiful gospel. God keeps his promises, and he will keep his promises with Israel. He has to. That's right. Well, and, and, and uh, yeah, this sets it up, you know, for the Lord Jesus when, when he was uh, sojourning in Egypt and, you know, after the death of the king, um, his family is brought up. But it's just all pointing ahead to, yeah, uh, how our Lord Jesus, when, when God saw our plight, he sent his son so that we uh, would be seen and known by God and rescued from our slavery. Thank you so much, brother. Always good to to have you back on. Uh, God bless your celebration of Holy Trinity. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you, everybody. That was Pastor Sean Cum, pastor at Christ the King in Cody, Wyoming. Moving on to Chapter 3. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. In cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.